Hey guys, we're going to be going through the last um, two weeks here for lessons in preparation for Sunday school um, coming up on March 17th. Um, we're going to be starting in Matthew 8 and uh, going through Matthew 11 um, and looking at a few other chapters in the Gospels. Um, we'll stick with Matthew and once again I want to remind everybody Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews so he's going to point out a little different things than we're going to get in the other Gospels. Um, and usually there's a reason that he's pointing those things out. A lot of times it's to someone who understands the Jewish culture and understands the background there. Um, so Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount. He comes down from the mountain in verse 1 of chapter 8, and great multitudes are following him. Um, and he's headed to Cap Capernaum. Um, and so on his way to Capernaum, it just casually mentions that he heals a leper um, who put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean, after asking, uh, after being asked by the leper if he would cleanse him. And um, Jesus saith unto him, See thou, tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So you'll see already Matthew's influence from a Jewish perspective. Um, he explains that Christ tells him, you know, Follow that law that these priests are still going to prescribe for you. Um, don't tell anyone how you were healed. I'm not ready to have um, the publicity that's going to come along uh, with this just quite yet. Um, in verse 5, uh, Jesus gets to Capernaum, and there came unto him a centurion uh, beseeching him. A centurion was a military officer responsible for 100 men. So remember, this is a, a military officer in, in a under Roman jurisdiction, right? So he's a Roman Gentile. He's not a Jew. We, we know just from that that he's a Gentile, meaning um, that he's not necessarily involved um, in this church organization in which Christ himself is is rising up and becoming one of the prophesied leaders of... Um, Christ would obviously be well-known in the Jewish community very early on, um, but with Gentiles, he would still be a relatively unknown figure. But somehow some way this this gentile um person has either heard about him cleansing the leper or some other miracle that he's performed already um and has the faith enough in him or the hope enough in him at least that he can heal his servant so he says lord my servant he lieth at home sick of the palsy grievously tormented and jesus said to him i will come unto him and heal him now one more quote i think i forgot to mention a centurion is a military officer for a hundred men century cent centurion a hundred um, so he's captain over a hundred men. Um, and Jesus says, I'll come heal him. And the centurion answered and said, I'm not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Um, he says, for I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to the man, go and he goeth, and to another come and he cometh, and to my servants do this and he doeth. So he's saying, look, I am a powerful man, but I am not worthy of you even coming into my home, but I know that if you just mention the word, if you just say it, um, it's going to be done. So Jesus' response is very interesting um, to this Gentile. Remember, he came, his mission was to teach the Jews, to, to convert the Jews, to, to lift the Jewish kingdom to, its, to fulfill the law. And then after his death is when the gospel was rolled out to the Gentiles. Um, so his primary focus is on the Jewish kingdom and building the Jewish kingdom. 
um, and and helping move the children of Israel uh, from a lower law to a higher law. Um, and now he has this Gentile that's come to him. And Jesus says in verse 10, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. So essentially Christ is saying, Look, I've been teaching Israelites. I've been teaching the Jewish community since I started this um since I started my career as a as a teacher as a preacher and I have not found anyone um among the kingdom of Israel among the children of Israel that has faith like this gentile has and then he says I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth um now this this little caveat to this story is only in the book of Matthew. And why is it only in the book of Matthew? Well, he's referencing Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the kingdom of heaven. And that's not going to make a whole lot of sense to a Gentile uh, reading this for the first time. So you'll notice in the other Gospels, that's not mentioned. Um, but it also points out to us um, that essentially what, what we're reading here is that it's going to be more than just being part of the kingdom of Israel, just going through the rituals that a Jewish um, person born into the covenant would go through, just going through the motions um, that's going to put you into the kingdom of God. There's certain steps that you have to do, and that's not going to qualify you. Um, just being a member of the house of Israel, you have to actually do the covenants. You have to have the faith. You have to um, do the ordinances. You have to do all those things that are necessary and live righteously if you want to be in the kingdom of God. Um, so that that's our first reference to that, and a, one of Christ's first references to to that, which would obviously um, rub a lot of the Jews the wrong way that have had this prideful kind of arrogance that they're going to be heirs to the kingdom one day. Um, and, but Jesus wasn't afraid to, to ruffle feathers when it comes to uh, pointing out uh, or saying, giving the hard doctrines, I guess you, you could say, to the Jewish community. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. And his servant was healed in that selfsame hour. So another miracle from Christ, um, in which there was not even physical contact uh, with with the afflicted person. Um, in 14 through 16, uh, he heals Peter's um, mother-in-law. He casts out spirits and devils. And... Uh, and it's really important that, that all this stuff is listed, especially in Matthew. Matthew really goes um, in great detail pointing out the healings that Christ did. And that is for uh, the primary purpose that many of the, the prophecies um, called the Messiah a healer in the Old Testament and in the Torah. A healer, a healer, a healer is, is what they read over and over and over again, that a healer would come um, and heal the sick and afflicted, not only do we learn later on that he's not only going to heal them physically, but also spiritually as well? I'm moving through chapter 8 here. Now we, uh, we see a scribe that comes to Jesus in verse 19 and says, I'll follow thee wherever thou goest. And Christ responds by saying, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head and another disciple said unto him lord suffer me first to go 
and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. So this is another hard doctrine that Christ has explained to them, the law of sacrifice, really. That, uh, that it's not, this isn't a church that we go to on Sundays. This isn't a nine to five job that we work. This is our life. This is who we are. This is what we become. Um, a changed person being born again and living um, in a manner that our Savior would have us live. It's not something that we we just do sometimes. It's something we do all the time. And you have to be willing to sacrifice everything. Christ said, are you willing to... Essentially, he's asked, I'll, I'll follow you wherever you go. And essentially, Christ responds by saying, will you? Will, will you really? Are you really willing to bear the cross that I bear? Um, are you really willing to, to do the things and sacrifice the things that I've sacrificed and will sacrifice? Um, it's a hard question. And it's something that we have to work towards in our own lives. Uh, it's a good question to ask ourselves from time to time. Are, are we willing to do anything and everything, whether it be small or big, in order to help build the kingdom of God here on earth? And then Christ uh, boards a ship right, with his disciples, falls asleep. Um, and it says, There arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much the ship was covered with waves. But he was asleep, and the disciples came unto him and woke him, saying, Save us, we perish. Now, it sounds like this was a pretty bad, if they're, the disciples are worried they're going to die. It's interesting to me to see uh, Christ just sleeping through it. Uh, maybe a few inferences here that we can take is, one, he was probably really tired from all that he'd been doing lately. Um, two, uh, we see that he did need to sleep. He was immortal, he was immortal from his mother. Uh, three, uh, part of me thinks that Maybe he was a little bit awake, and maybe that all this commotion going on, he he was completely calm, calm enough to just continue to lay there asleep, not worried about the elements. Um, think about it from his perspective. I I organized these elements. I I told these elements what to do. I told them how to interact. I I taught them, you know, the the physics of of their creation. I taught them everything. Why would I be worried about these elements, I, I put them here. I created them, and uh, something obviously the disciples didn't understand yet. But Christ Himself feels like He had a pretty uh, good understanding of it at this point, um, and almost looks at them and in confusion and says unto them, "Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith?" Then He arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marvelled, saying, "What manner of men is this that even the winds and the sea obey Him?" I want to testify that, that they do obey him, they still obey him, and that they obeyed him during the creation and they'll obey him today. And it's one of the ways that miracles are wrought. It's one of the ways the priesthood works is through that power of the Lord's voice and his commanding of the elements um, to do the things according to his will. I'll try to speed this up a little bit. In chapter 9... Uh, we read about Jesus performing more and more miracles, uh, more and more healings, really. Again, I just want to really elaborate that this is Matthew speaking of healings um, and fulfillment of Jewish prophecy because he's writing from a Jewish perspective to the Jews. Um, the first thing we read in chapter 9 is Christ eating with sinners, um, which is interesting, right? We always uh, think that, you know, we shouldn't hang around sinners or... Uh, we shouldn't be involved with sinners or we don't want to be 
we want to avoid the appearance of evil, right? We always hear that in the church. But once our testimonies get to a certain point, it's our responsibility to reach down and lift those people and help them. And that's essentially what Christ is doing here. Um, it says, uh, And Jesus, um, knowing their thoughts, um, where f- so f- first of all, sorry, he in, in verse 2 he says, And behold, they brought him a sick man of the palsy lying in bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. So Christ understanding, look, anybody can say your sins are forgiven, right? Anybody can do that. They don't have to have special powers or authority given. Anybody can just say words and with no physical evidence of that forgiveness being issued. Um, it's it's really hard to confirm whether somebody is really forgiven of their sins just by someone's voice. So Jesus, knowing that these people around would think this, he, he said, why do you think this evil in your hearts? Verse 5, he says, Is it easier to say thy sins are forgiven thee or arise and walk? So essentially, he says, You think it's easier to, to think it's so easy just to say this? What about if I made this person walk and be healed? And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it and glorified God, uh, given such power unto men. Um, so he, he heals him in front of uh, all these naysayers, all these Jewish scribes and Pharisees that think that. Um, he wouldn't, he, that he was all lip service, you know, he actually walked the walk afterwards. And it came to pass that Jesus sat and meet in the house. Behold, um, there came many publicans and sinners that sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with the publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said to them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. One of my favorite things from Jesus the Christ is Talmadge talking about this. Um, essentially, he's saying almost, uh, Talmadge almost alludes to a sarcastic tone in Christ's voice that, um, that you know, they that are sick need no physician. Right? Almost to say, like, I'm, I'm here to help those that need to be helped. Um, but really, who needs to be helped? Who's sick in this world? We all are, right? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it's almost Christ saying, these are the people that, that will understand me, that, will, that are humble enough to receive me, to receive uh, the covenants that are associated with this gospel, that are, that are willing to receive forgiveness and be humble and repent. These are the people, the people that supposedly need no repentance, right? Who doesn't need repentance? We all do. But if you don't think you do, then I guess you don't. So it's it's interesting to see kind of Christ's personality a little bit coming out in this. Look, you guys don't even think you need to repent, so I'm not going to waste my time um, until you humble yourself. Um, so I think that's always an interesting an interesting moment when he sits down with the sinners. And, and a lesson for us, like I said before, that you know once our testimonies are strong enough, it's our responsibility to go help those that are humble enough to receive it and to reach down and lift those that um, need help and need to be lifted. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention in chapter 9 is uh, a woman that was diseased with an issue of blood. She'd been sick for 12 years, came to him, touched the hem of his garment, and she said within herself, If I may touch this garment, I shall be whole. Jesus turned about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. 
And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the minstrels and the people making a noise. Anyway, back to back to the woman who was afflicted with the issue of blood. If a woman had blood on her or was bleeding or, or if there was any blood on a human, they were considered unclean in the Jewish culture and they weren't supposed to go before the high priests of the church or before any rulers or um, any leaders of the church because they were unclean. And this could be one of the reasons that she didn't approach Jesus directly, but just reached over kind of from the back maybe and touched the hem of his garment without him being able to see her, thinking that she would be unclean if Christ had seen her. Uh, but Christ, recognizing her faith, healed her and um, and kind of put those unspoken rules of the gospel and the Jewish culture to bed as he he'd lift, he lifted he went down and lifted somebody that was suffering once again so there's a few more healings in uh chapter nine uh, miracles that christ performed one last thing i wanted to point out was that there might be people in your classes that are going through some things that are going through difficult times that are praying for healings that are praying for these things it's important to to point out that faith is a prerequisite to these miracles but that everything is going to be done according to god's will um, we, we're not here to change God's will, um, but there are blessings that are set aside that are conditional upon our praying and asking for those miracles. So um, just make sure that that gets pointed out to your classes.